Hi, I'm Joaquin Evans, co-senior leader of Bethel Austin. I pray that Jesus ministers to you through today's message and that you are blessed deeply. If you're encouraged, please like and subscribe so you can stay up to date with all of our weekly sermons. Enjoy the message. Yeah, so good to be up here. Such a great service tonight. Excited about the building, guys. I would encourage you. That was a great word, Chad. Give where it hurts. Don't, don't be scared of a little pain because God will supply that need back to you as we give faithfully. You only get these moments a few times in a church life where you're in, in one of these, like uh, Joaquin was saying, it's a Kairos moment of, of giving into. And so this is one of those moments. So don't miss out on it. Don't miss out on what God wants to do with that. Amen. All right, so I got double iPads up here. Uh, uh, this is kind of crazy, but I had this great remote, and I got in here. I was so excited. It's supposed to go 100 feet, and it didn't work. So Anastasia, thank goodness, came to the rescue and got me this. So that's why I've got these two iPads. So if you see me kind of like flying a jet plane up here, that's what's happening. But uh, we're going to talk tonight about um, faith that works through love. How's that sound? All right, so 1 Corinthians 13, 13 says this. Now, so now faith, hope, and love abide, these three. But the greatest of these is love. And these are what I like to call the super fruits of the Bible. You've got faith, hope, and love, and you've got the greatest, that is love. And these fruits, um, you know, I've been contemplating for about six months this particular passage. I've been con contemplating a lot around the fruit, and um, I had this major revelation in Germany where I had this encounter where I began to see this, what I call a plane of fruit in heaven that's really wrecked me in this area. And so I've been just exploring with the Lord fruit and the power of fruit. And this particular verse I've been exploring, I've been asking God, what is, what is that, God? What is that? What's the fullness of that verse? Because he says that faith, hope, and love, that these three abide. There's something eternal about these three. There's something really powerful about these three fruits. And so I've been contemplating that, and I've been, I've been exploring with the Lord how these fruits actually interact with each other. I think he put them all together in this passage because there's this interaction that happens in this interaction as these fruits work together, they are what bring heavenly reality into the earth. And so I want to explore that a little bit tonight. You guys good with that? Yeah. Now, a few weeks ago, or a month ago or so, I preached and I shared on faith. And we kind of got into faith and we got into hope. And so I want to, I'm going to review that a little bit. If you weren't here for that or you want to hear that, you can go back. It's about a month ago. It's called The Substance of Faith. But I want to, as we're going to look at some of this interaction, I want to start there. This is really kind of a part two of what I was sharing a couple weeks ago. But we see here this passage, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, Hebrews 11.1. 1. And then after this, pass, after this particular verse, it goes into what's called the roll call of faith. And the roll call of faith is really powerful because you've got two things happening with the roll call of faith. You've got people who were going through or went through extremely difficult circumstances. And then you've got another group of people that were in the midst of breakthrough. They were receiving breakthrough. But God reckons to both of those groups that they had tremendous faith. And we talked a lot about that a month ago, that you may find yourself in a difficult circumstance. You may find yourself... In a, in a trial, it does not mean you don't have faith. In fact, you could be operating in tremendous faith, but you're going through a season that you're enduring something, but you're standing firm, believing that God's reality is going to invade yours. And so that's faith. But then there's also this place of faith where you begin to step into breakthrough, where that moment comes where heaven's reality breaks in and changes the earthly circumstance, and so you find yourself receiving breakthrough. And so faith works in these different places, and it's totally independent from circumstance. 
Your faith has nothing to do with the circumstance that you find yourself in. Whether you're in a moment of breakthrough or you're in a moment of enduring until the breakthrough comes, circumstance does not control our faith. Amen? And so we talked about that. Faith has the ability to bring us to a place of the future unseen reality before it actually manifests. So I can actually walk in my breakthrough before I actually see it manifest. My heart, my mind, the position, the way I'm aligning myself, I am in breakthrough even though I'm not currently experiencing that breakthrough. You may need healing in your body. Some, we just see these instant healings. Some people, you've contended for a long time. You haven't seen breakthrough. Align your heart, align your mind with that breakthrough as though you are currently in it, even though it has not yet manifested in your body. And so that's how God wants us to operate. But, but so it can keep you in a place of forward momentum when everything seems still. Your heart can stay in that place. But it also, again, it gives us the ability to step into increase. You need faith to step into increase. And so faith can also pull our future heavenly reality into the present. So as I'm contending, as I'm enduring at times, I'm pulling on heaven. I'm pulling it towards me. I'm pulling it into the present. You know, I've been contending with God. I've had this back issue, and Joaquin's like, hey, let's just pray for it for a few seconds every day. And it's not completely healed. But, you know, last week I started, I started getting some breakthrough, like we'd pray. We, well, we spent like a week in prayer, and it felt like the more I just spent in prayer, the more I noticed my back was in pain. And we prayed several times, and there was one morning I woke up, and it was like I didn't feel any pain. And any of you guys who have been in pain, you know it's like it's, kind of, it's maddening to be in pain. It's horrible to be in any kind of pain. It just kind of gets to the front of your mind. And so I, I, we keep pulling on that heaven reality. Well, you know what? I'm going to keep pulling on that heaven reality until I keep waking up the next day and the next day and the next day and there's no pain. Amen? Increase. So I faith for increase, faith for breakthrough, pulling that reality into this one. All right, so we looked at this. This is how I broke this down. This is kind of the review, and then we're going to, Jump in in a minute where I'm going. So when you look at the Greek, you get you can pull different things out. And so this is kind of like this is the Shane Harris translation of the Bible. Is what this is. No, that, I just took from the Greek and I, um, and it's really powerful though. So faith, the word faith actually means divine persuasion. It's one of the meanings of faith. So you could say faith, or you could say now divine persuasion is the substance. Now the substance here means this, the title deed that stands under guaranteeing future possession. So this was a business term. We could think of that like as a title deed. So it stands under, it's that title deed, it's that thing that stands there and it guarantees this future possession is coming. So now faith or divine persuasion, divine persuasion is the title deed that stands under guaranteeing future possessions of what? Of things hoped for. So what's hope? Hope is expectancy of the goodness of God. And what's expectancy? Expectancy is being expectant with anticipation. So if I'm in hope, I want you to think of it this way. I'm anticipating what's coming. I'm, I'm sitting on the edge of my seat expecting breakthrough to come. What is I basing that on? I'm basing it on God's goodness. So I'm, in base, I'm basing this anticipation, not on my circumstance, but I'm basing it on the goodness of God, right? And I don't know how it's going to come. I don't know exactly what it's going to look like. I may not even know when it's going to come, but I know that God is good, and so I'm standing in hope. I'm standing, expecting. I'm anticipating. I'm on the edge of my seat waiting for it to happen. And so that's hope. So divine persuasion is the title deed that stands under guaranteeing future possession of things hoped, standing and expecting it was God's goodness for, the evidence or the proof of things not seen, heaven's reality. So I'm standing, expecting God to do something. I'm divinely persuaded, 
that God's going to do it. I'm divinely persuaded that I have a title deed to God's goodness. I have a title deed to my hopes. I can stand in expectation, and I do that based on what? Heaven's reality. That's the proof. Heaven's reality is the proof. The manifestation of heaven's reality in my heart and in my life is the proof. That moment that I, I sit and I sit with the Lord and I feel him and I feel his presence, that is the proof, guys. That is the proof of the goodness of God. And I can know that that goodness of God is going to touch every part of my life. I'm standing in what? Faith. I'm divinely persuaded. All right. Good review? I like talking about that because I can feel God when I do. <laughs> I like it. I think he likes it. He's calling us to a higher place. Amen? He doesn't want us moping around, guys. He wants us in a higher place. Right? A circumstance. God, he has empathy for our circumstance, but he's calling us to a higher place. Amen. All right. So let's look at this verse. Faith working through love. Galatians 5, 6. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything. But faith working through love. Now, I took some time and I was thinking about this today. And you guys know what circumcision is, I assume. Yeah, okay. And so the, you had this situation in the church. Now, we think we have church fights. The Galatians were taking this to a whole new level. So you had the Jewish believers, you had the Gentile believers. They're all kind of coming together. And the, some, of the, some of the Jewish believers were like, hey, you guys need to get circumcised. Now, I, I want you to think about that for a second. <laughs> I mean, think about this fight that's happening in the church. Now, can you imagine if they had Facebook back then, what would have happened? Oh, man. Paul would have shut Facebook down, I'm sure. Like, totally, right? There would have been a fight like you've never seen before. Uh, you know, the, uh, the, the Gentile chapter of the Galatians men's ministry was like, hey, yeah, try it, guys. Yeah, go ahead. Make my day, Right? I mean, could you imagine the salvation card, like, uh, next steps? <laughs> Come on. Next steps, uh, water baptism, circumcision. Like, wait, wait, wait. Wait, God. I mean, that's literally what was going on here. Some of you aren't laughing at so I don't know if you know what circumcision is, or you're in pain. You're, like, in pain right now. Like, this is a PG-rated message. I'm sorry. But, uh... It, that's, I mean, that's an intense thing. And so Paul steps in and he's like, I love Paul, right? Paul's like, he just get on it sometimes, right? And so he's like, hey guys, circumcision's nothing. Uncircumcision is nothing, but faith working through love. Now that's something, right? And you know, we live in this crazy time, man. There's so many sides. People are on this side and that side, and then you're on that side, and you side with them on this issue, side with them on that issue. There's so many sides. Throw in social media, and then you got, like, crazy stuff going on out there. Everybody's stressed out and anxiety. I hardly even go on there. Like, you know what I look at on Instagram most of the time? I love labs, like Labrador Retrievers. I look at labs all the time. Like... <laughs> Like, I found the more you click on labs, the more it, they come up. So I'm like, oh, what a dog. Oh, Stacy, we got to get another one. This is an awesome dog, right? So my life's pretty relaxed on social media. And then if somebody's acting crazy, I'm like, oh, let me just look at another lab. This is awesome. They're so happy. They love people. They don't have a care in the world. That's what I look at on social media, guys. I'm real advanced here. But, yeah, yeah. But, so there's all this, there's this fighting going on. We see that today. And, you know, I think Paul would have said, hey, guys, that doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. This is what matters. Faith, divine persuasion, working through love. Renee preached on love a few weeks ago, a great foundational message. You should go back and listen to that. Faith working through love. That's what matters. 
And I want you to notice something about this passage as well. He says, for in Christ Jesus. Now, Paul, Paul didn't just throw that out, but you'd, a couple times you would see in some of these letters, you would see this, this, it was a part of his greeting. You know you can get a lot out of the greetings in the Bible. But one of the things in Colossians 1, he, he said this to them. He said, in Christ at Colossae, to the Colossians. And I love it because it's like a, a little nuance indicating that you're in Christ, but you're at Colossae. He began to actually diminish the earthly realm. You're, you're in Christ, you're at here. You know, it's, it, it's a temporary thing. It's a, you're just transient in this world. You're just passing through this world, but you're in Christ. And he uses this again here. He says, in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything. Right? So none, that doesn't count. That's not, that's not worth your time, guys. That's not worth your argument. That's not worth your energy. That's not worth getting an anxiety over. It doesn't count for anything. What matters is, is love, is, uh, is faith working through love. And so I want you to think about that. We are in Christ, guys, but we are in Christ, but we are at Austin. Amen. This is not, this is not our home. And so we need to act like it's not our home. And we need to focus on things that are more important than the things we get caught up in in the at place when God wants us in the in place, which is in him. Amen. Amen. And so he's saying to these guys, you're having the wrong conversation based on what? You being in Christ. You're talking about the wrong things, guys. Because, why? Because you're in Christ. And so, the arbitrator of all opinion, all arguments, is faith working through love. And the way it arbitrates is to say, it actually doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Listen, you can be on this, uh, politics, you can be on that side, I don't, I really don't care. I do not, I honestly, I don't care. Do I have opinions? Sure. But I don't care. Because why? There's another reality. There's another kingdom that's higher than all these kingdoms. And listen, in world history, there's been plenty of kingdoms that no longer exist. But God's kingdom never stops. It never ends. Amen? And so listen, believers, where do we need to put our time? Bringing the reality of heaven to earth. Right? That's where we need to spend our time. Because why? That's actually going to make an eternal change. And we can get caught up in the mud of throwing this, we throw that. Because I believe that, I believe that. You Forget it. Let's get into Christ. Amen? So, faith operating. Faith working through love. Faith operates through love. Divine persuasion, the title deed of our hopes, goes into action through love. That's how it works. Love is the... Think of it this way, the expression of faith. That's why you could say you have faith to move a mountain, but if you don't have love, you don't have anything. You actually don't have real faith if you don't have love. Okay? So love's the expression of faith. Fuel, uh, fuel for faith is love. I want you to get that. The fuel, what fuels faith is love. And as we encounter love, we're, we're transformed by it. And then it, so it transforms us. It produces faith in us. And then it flows out of us. And so the powerful thing about this fruit and the powerful thing about these three fruits, faith, hope, and love, is that as we encounter God, as we encounter these things, as we encounter his likeness, as we receive it and experience it, it begins to transform us. We become like it. Amen? You know, I get excited when I see something in my life, and I, I kind of go, wow, something has changed in the fruit realm. Like, what used to upset me, what used to bother me, it doesn't bother me anymore. How I used to respond to that person, it's like, it's like, it's not pat me on the back, it's like, thank you, Jesus. You've, you've, You've done something. You've transformed something in my life. I, man, I remember how I used to respond in that situation. But I respond completely different now. Yeah. 
Amen? And we need to celebrate. We need to learn to celebrate those fruits being produced in us. That's the reality of the kingdom. Amen? And so we, re- we experience it. We encounter and we become it. Amen? All right. Now I'm actually going to get to what I'm talking about. So this is a powerful prayer. This, okay, this is an ascending prayer. I want, you, I want you to think about this for a second. We're going to look at Ephesians 3, 14 through 20. And first off, I want you to understand something about Ephesians. It's one of the prison epistles, so Paul's writing this from, from prison. And so Paul, this is what amazes me about Paul. He would write these things, right, to the church. And what he wrote did not actually align with his circumstance in the earth, but it aligned with a heavenly reality. It's amazing. Like he's chained to a Roman soldier under arrest. I think this was a few years before he was actually beheaded by the emperor Nero. And so he's in prison and he's talking about these amazing things, but his circumstance was not great. But it never stopped Paul. You would think he was right there. He just kept on ministering, amen? And so Ephesus that he was writing to, the Ephesians in Ephesus, I've preached on this before, but it was, it was really a revival community. I heard Bill Johnson say that, that it, that, uh, that it was a revival, that he saw it as one of the greatest revival communities in the Bible, and I believe that. When you see all the stuff that was happening in Ephesus, you can look in the book of Acts, it was amazing all the miraculous power that was happening the sending out that they were doing. It was a very healthy, thriving, uh, powerful, supernatural church. Yeah, that's where when Paul first went there, uh, the followers of John the Baptist, the followers of the way, received the Holy Spirit. That was the first thing that happened there. And um, so it was just a really powerful city. It's believed that Jesus' mom lived there. Uh, the apostle John lived there. Paul lived there for a season. So you had kind of these this apostolic, powerful thing that was happening in in Ephesus, but he writes to the Ephesians this beautiful letter. Um, John McKay in the early 1900s was the, um, I believe he was like the president of Princeton uh, Theological Seminary. Think about Princeton, guys. And um, he called, he said that the book of Ephesians was theology set to music. And so it's, it's, a, it's a powerful book. He actually got saved by reading the book of Ephesians, because he began to see this new society that God wanted to build that Paul talks about. This is what Paul saw in the middle of a fallen world that Paul talks about this new society or this this community, this heavenly community, this divine community that God wanted to build, something completely different and completely new than anyone had ever heard of. And God's intention is still do that today. The church is a divine community. And so we need to live like it. We need to talk like it. We need the fruit that that flows out of us like it. We need the supernatural power working in it as we are in Christ. Amen? But Paul, in this prayer, so his first prayer in the book of Ephesians was for revelation. He prayed, I pray that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened. That was his first prayer. This prayer is for transformation and spiritual growth. And again, remember, he's speaking into this, hey, God wants to form this powerful community that's going to change the world. And so he prays for revelation, then he prays for transformation. So I want to make a statement here. Spiritual growth starts with revelation. But God doesn't want it to stop there. I've seen people have a revelation and not step into transformation. You can be like, whoa, wow, wow, that was amazing. Whoa, you're getting revelation. But God wants to take us higher into transformation. He wants his revelation to move us into transformation. All right? And so it's that revelation in the knowledge of him that brings us into transformation. And so you could think of transformation as this. It's the infusion or application of revelation in our lives. So as God infuses his revelation into us, and there, there's kind of a part, there is a part we play in that. I receive it, and I say, welcome. I welcome that revelation. God, would you change my life with that? Would you change my heart? 
I want your truth to work inside of me. I want what you say about love. I want what you to say about faith. I don't want to just hear a message, but God, I'm getting revelation on this, but I want to take it in and I want to begin to walk it out. And I want it to begin to transform me and transform what's happening around me. Amen. And so revelation. All right, let's get into this. Keep it moving here. So I'm going to go through these verses here. Again, this is like an ascending prayer. You'll, you'll, you'll see how it just starts to stair step up. It gets better and better as it goes. And so Ephesians 3.14. Paul says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and earth is named. And so we're starting to see here this is important. Paul's saying, hey, here's my conviction. Here's my purpose. This is what's drive. He's about to tell us what drives him. You guys want to know what drives Paul? You want to know what drives this a powerful, uh, powerful uh, man of God that literally shaped the early church? He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. A powerful, powerful man, planted churches all over the place, suffered for Jesus, went to prison, all the things that he did were just amazing. You know, prayer claw, you know, claws coming off of him and healing people. Very powerful man of God. And what was driving him? And so Paul in Ephesians begins to understand God's purpose for community, for divine community, for supernatural heaven meets earth community. And out of that purpose, he's praying into that. He's praying into that. He's aligning with that and he's praying into it with God's purpose. And When you pray into God's purpose, it's literally like having a warrant in your hand for it to happen, right? So we have to to learn to pray in accordance with his purpose. When we do, we can know that God is going to accomplish what we're praying, right? It's not in line with my purpose, but I'm lining my life up with his purpose. And in his purpose, I have a warrant in my hand to pray. I can pray powerful prayers. And so Paul's about to pray one of these prayers. But he goes on, he says, let me just kind of go through this. He says, um, he also says whom every family in heaven and earth is named. And so he starts talking about this family here. A better translation of this is the whole family of believers that are both in heaven and earth. So God just has one family. And so won't go too much into that. But let's get into this. So it's going to start to ascend here, Ephesians 3.16, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant to you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. So Paul, this request, this is how he starts it. First, according to the riches of his glory. So I'm going to pray a prayer And this prayer is not according to my riches or my ability, but it's in accordance with the riches of the glory of God. This is the prayer I'm praying. This is a big prayer. And so, according to the riches of his glory, that he may grant you to be strengthened with power. And so, this is about to get so big that he's also praying for strength for them. They're about to get a revelation so amazing. We're about to get it in this room too. That you actually need strength. You need to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being to get it. And I want to say this. This is, what's he talking about? He's talking about encounters, guys. Encounters. Encounters with the presence of God. That the Holy Spirit would come. We would encounter him. And he would begin to give us strength and power in our spirit man, in our inner being. We're to live in encounters. It's not just something we do because it's kind of fun. No, it's transformational. It is fun. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I love it. But let your heart come into a place of greater. When you come to church, come like this. Come like this, like, God, I'm coming, to, I'm coming tonight. I'm coming today. God, I want, I want more encounter. Would you strengthen me with power in, in my inner man? Amen? Would you do that for me? God, I'm hungry. I want more. I desire more. 
I need more, God. I want more of you. When we do that, there's power. There's power that begins to flow down. And so encounters are, are important. So don't, don't underestimate floor time with the Lord, guys, all right? Some of the greatest things that have ever happened to me happened on the floor as the power of the Holy Spirit began to strengthen my inner being. Some of the greatest things. Amazing things just down on the floor. I didn't care about anybody else. I'm just having an encounter with God. That's really church for me is to encounter God with his people together. That's why we come together. All right? So don't underestimate that. Let's keep going. He says, so that. So he sets it up. He said, he, he paints this whole picture. He gives his purpose, why he bows his knees before the Father. And then he talks about according to the riches of glory that we'd be strengthened with power. And then he says, so that. So all this is about to key on what he just said. So, so that, what? Christ may dwell in your hearts through what? Faith, through divine persuasion. That you being rooted and grounded in love. And so, why do we need these encounters? Why do we need an encounter with God? So that this happens. So that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith. And that's a continual stream. I mean, the moment I accept Jesus, it happens. But that doesn't stop. That's a continual stream that God wants to strengthen and do more and more and more powerfully in our lives. So that stream's happening. And then he goes on to say something else. So that that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and that you would be what? You would be what? Rooted and grounded in love. Rooted and grounded. I want you to think about that. What do those words describe? A strong foundation, right? Right? When I think of rooted, it's, I don't know if you've ever tried to pull something up that was strongly rooted. It's like impossible. Yeah. I mean, you can chop at it like you're digging at it. You can't get that thing up. Why? Because it's rooted down in there. It's anchored. So when I think of roots, I think of that anchoring, but I also think of something that's tied into the source. It's tied into the supply. It's, it's got its roots down where it can get nutrients. And so he's saying that Christ would dwell in your heart so that you could be rooted so that you could get those nutrients, so that you could be anchored securely, firmly in place. And then it talks about grounded. And I think about grounded, I think about that solid foundation. Um, and I also think about a heart that's in right position. It's not thinking high, too highly of self. Amen. It's grounded. It's, I've got my feet on the, on the ground. I'm grounded on that foundation of Jesus. And so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And you would be grounded, rooted and grounded in love. So that you would, you would have strength in your inner man for this. Let's keep going. You guys with me? Yeah. Using these slides, it helps me move through it quicker or better. More better. I knew Stacy wouldn't like that. She shook her head. <laughs> I know, that's not correct. <clears throat> <laughs> So it's going to stair step again. And then he says, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints. What is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Whoa, what a prayer, guys. I mean, that's getting higher right there. That's ascending higher to a higher place. Can you feel it? This is a comprehension, not of like head knowledge. This is a, this is a heart comprehension that he's talking about. This is a heart comprehension, but it's not, it's, it's love in all its dimensions. Did you know that love has dimension to it? Look, it, and I love how this, I love how the ESV actually breaks this here. I want you to know something. I said, Stacy, today, I said, this doesn't have any commas between breadth, length, height, and depth. I was like, why'd they do that? I was like, Is, I, that's interesting to me. And when I said it, I kind of got like chills. And I went and looked at it, and it's, it's so that each word will stand on its own. And it brings emphasis to each one. And so God wanted, he wants to emphasize to us the, that his love has breadth. That his love has length, that it has height, and it has depth. And in 18, it says that we might have the strength to comprehend this. 
This is how big this love is. This is how big this encounter is. Whoa, I'm starting to shake. This is how big this is. That we're going to actually need strength. We're going to need our inner man strengthened by the power of the Holy Spirit so that we could get this, this massive dimensional, full dimensional thing that God wanted to talk about when his love. We're going to need strength. This love that surpasses knowledge. I don't know about you guys, but I've experienced this love many times in my lives. And my way of describing it is it's like liquid love. It's like it, it's, it's, it has substance to it. It's like never ending, actually. Its length is never ending. Its breath is never, ever ending. And then he goes on to say that what? You would be filled with all the fullness of God. All the fullness, guys. All the fullness. God wants us to comprehend. And let me point something. Well, I'll come to that in a second. But God wants us to comprehend this love that surpasses knowledge. And as we comprehend it, it begins to fill us with all of his fullness. I think sometimes in relation to God, we think, whoa, he's so big. And No, he says all his fullness. Not just a little bit for your life, but all his fullness. But Paul's praying a prayer into that, that you would be able to get this and experience this. Being filled. So we're being filled. Every time we're filled, we're being filled towards fullness. <laughs> every, listen guys, every encounter. Listen, I've had encounters where I cry. I have encounters where I laugh. I was laughing back in the 80s when nobody knew what was going on. <laughs> nobody knew, like, what is happening? This never happened. This never happened in our church before. I mean, like, but what's happening? I'm getting filled towards fullness. <laughs> I'm getting it right now. I'm getting a little bit more of that fullness. Like, my tank's getting fuller, more fuller. Sorry, Stace. <laughs> I know it's wrong. They like it, though. Y'all like it, right? You like it. Bad English. So we're being transformed into the image of Jesus one encounter at a time. And the summit of the mountain of faith is love. The love is the pinnacle of all that we are going for. Whoa, man. Spiritual maturity is not based on how much you know. It's based on how much you love. This is the greatest gauge that we could possibly have a spiritual maturity. Say it again. Spiritual maturity is not based on how much you know. It's based on how much you love. Listen, I'm all, we need to study. We need to study the word. We need to, we need to go to, please go to equip classes. We need to learn more. All that's great. But that is not alone going to bring you into spiritual maturity. If, if in, that, in, that, in that studying of his word, you begin to allow that word, the living word, to encounter your heart and your life, it'll begin to bring, bring transformation, and you'll begin to walk in more love. But if you're just trying to get knowledge in your head about it, but it's not going into your heart, you're not going to be spiritually mature. You could know all the facts of the Bible and not be spiritually mature. And so love is the pinnacle. And then I love what verse 18 says. And I've got just a couple, little bit more here. But verse 18 says, I love this. It says that you would have strength to comprehend with all the saints. It's really important to get this. Love is worked out in the context of a people. Love is worked out, and gr you grow in love in the context of a people. And that doesn't mean it's always really pretty, right? I mean, there's disagreements and, you know, all kinds of stuff that happens and feelings that get hurt and things that don't happen. There's all of this. But somehow in the middle of all of that, God's working out love in us. And if I'm sitting in a room by myself, I can't. I mean, I can experience the love of God, but it can't work out transformationally in my life. I need people. 
fact, sometimes I might need you to rub me the wrong way. Because I'm going to kind of, it's a good gauge of where I am. Right? And it's a good gauge to go, oh, God, please help me love this person. <laughs> right? <laughs> help me, help me, help me. Listen, I lived in New York City. I had to pray that a lot, guys. Help me love this person who is so direct in their communication. <laughs> Tearing things up as they go. Let me love this person. But it's worked out. So Paul's writing to the Ephesians, this new society, redeemed community. And so he's writing to a people, and that's how he deals. He deals with a people. Yes, as individuals, but in the context of a community. It's so important. I want to I challenge you in something. Don't just, if, if something rubs you wrong, how much love is in your heart? Now, if you say, you know, I don't know. there's not much love in my heart. Okay, great. Here's your opportunity to grow in it. So something happens, you know, I've, I've watched this over the years. Christians and churches are like the quickest to just jump out. They'll jump out of community really fast. Don't like this, don't like that, said that, said that, said that wrong. Don't like that, don't believe that. It's destructive. It doesn't mean God doesn't call people to, go to another community, but I guarantee you a lot of the percentage of, of just moving around in churches is because somebody's not happy with something. And that's not ever the way to leave a church. If God calls you to go or sends you to something else, fantastic. But God might want you to stay and actually experience what it means to walk with someone you don't fully agree with or see eye to eye with or who rubs you wrong or who's also a person in process may have some brokenness in their life that sometimes splashes all over you. And in that moment, you have a chance to become more like Jesus and get in that place of encounter. And let me say this, if you're not there, get an encounter. Get an encounter. Oh, oh God, please help me. And don't push away from people. Don't push away from that person. Pushing away is not of God. That's not how he's called us to walk, to walk, all right? All right. Value the saints. Be thankful for those around you, even those that you don't agree with. It can be a really good thing in your life. All right. So we're going to land this. So then Paul, we're sending up, right? Now, so he's, he's put this phenomenal comprehension of the breadth, length, height, depth of love. And then he begins to make this declaration about God's ability. And I want us to, to look at this declaration and let this come out of our own hearts. He says, verse 20, Now to him who is able to do far, let me just read through it, to do far more abundantly than all that we think or ask, according to the power at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. So look at, I want you to look at this. We're going to highlight this. So now to him who is, so Paul has confidence in declaring God's ability. To him who is what? Able to what? Do. So that's our first thing. God's able to do it. Let's look at the second thing. I'm breaking this down a little differently. But what's he able to do? What we ask. That's pretty big, actually, right? But you know what? It gets better. Able to do what we ask or think. Uh Uh-oh. Now we're getting really big. When you think, you could, some of the translations, imaginations. What can you imagine? Right? What can you imagine? So God, God's able to do what we ask or imagine gets better. God's able to do all. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All. Say that. All. Wait, you don't mean it's just a little part? that No, all that we, wait, I want you to think about this. All that who asked? Are you kidding me? All that we ask, all that we imagine, God's able to do that, gets better. 
all right? Able to do all that we ask or think, but he can also do more abundant, more, so let me get it here, able to do more than all that we ask or think. Okay, we just took that up a level. Did you notice? I thought all was the ceiling. More, more than all. It gets better. All right? Able to do more abundantly than all that we ask or think. Wait, 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 wait. I thought all, I thought... I thought more than all, <laughs> I thought more than all was the ceiling. No, more abundantly than all is actually, all right? Look at that. That's so powerful. All right, we got one more because he's not done yet. Far more abundantly than all that we ask or think. Wait, wait, I, I, I. I thought it was more abundantly. No, it's far more abundantly than all that we ask or think. I don't know how to calculate that. But I know this God is, has height, his love has height, breadth, length, and depth. And there is no calculation to calculate it. Right? That's what he's willing to do. All that we ask or think. And so he's essentially saying, and very beautiful, I think this is beautiful language the way Paul did this. But he's able to do infinitely beyond according uh, than all that we, all far more abundantly than all that we could ask or think, all that we could imagine. And I think imagination was actually created so that we could, we could extend our faith into this. Right? That's why God created. That's why he, he, he gave us. Imagination can be used for all kinds of things, right? But really, the, and that's why kids, there's something about their imagination that's so pure, right? Because I think that's something that God gave. Like, kids don't have those same limitations in their thinking that we often gain as we go through life. But God wants us to what? Become like what? Little children. And he wants us to imagine with him that he can do these things and our faith to extend and so I have a title deed not only to my hopes, but a title deed to things I've not thought of yet or even imagined. This is how good, this is God's goodness. This is why I have hope, right? This is why I can sit like with anticipation, expecting God to do something because I know this is, this is my God because this is what he wants to do. All right, going to really land it. Love. So to get here, it's love. It's the place of comprehending that encounter with the love of God in these multiple dimensions that we begin to step into the far more abundantly than all that we could think or imagine. It's in the love of God. That's where it is. That's where it all works together. And so religion, listen, religion is kind of the opposite. Religion which is outside of relationships. So I want you to think of faith. Faith is relationship. It's not a formula, but religion is, is there's a lack of relationship. It's like form with no power. And so that's, that's a lack of relationship. Religion will bring poverty. Listen, religion will bring the opposite of this. It's why people who are religious get really mad when you talk about things like increase. It actually stirs something up. Because that's a poverty spirit. But God says this is where we're called to live. And religion will not get us there. But relationship with him will. Amen. And, and then so we receive this. And the context of this. We have to really get this though. The context of this is always love. All right. And love aligns us with increase. And with God's heart of generosity. So God doesn't want to just take us here just for us. He wants to take us here that we could stand in generosity. And we could line up with that generosity. And we could be a blessing to this earth. That we could be a blessing to our city. And how do we do that? We love. Let me ask you this. 
Let's stand. I'm going to end here. But so we've seen all this. But let me ask you a question. Does the increase that you're believing God for have a target of love? So I don't want to just believe for increase. I want my increase to have a target. I want, I want increase. I want increase so that the love of God can flow more out of my life. So that his generosity can flow out. You know, I think a lot of the problems that the, the government tries to solve, and listen, I, you could be on this side or you can be on this side. I don't, neither side, I don't know if really has the God answer. Right? Let's just get honest. Don't act like that. It does. But, so there's not a, there's, the church has the solution. Things like inequities, poverty, the church, the reason the government, there's all that fighting going on is because we're not answering the call to break it, to, to rip it off. And we're not walking in the love of God that we need to walk in, right? We need to go through our communities and literally, literally carry the love of God. We need to encounter him, go out into our community, release it. All right, can I pray for you? And then I'm going to step off. All right, let's just lift our hands. Father, there's a lot there. But God, I thank you that you are calling us to ascend to a higher place. You are calling us to be able to comprehend all together, all the saints, the height, the length, the depth, the width of your love, God. God, you want to strengthen us with power in our inner man so that we can enter into this place of far more abundance that we could make impact while we are in this world with your kingdom generosity and your kingdom power. And people could experience your wonderful love. Faith works through love. And God, we ask tonight, we ask for the far more abundant. And we ask for the comprehension of your great love. God, I pray for an increase of encounters. God, when we sleep, in our homes, when we come to church, it would just be an extension of encounters with you that we're already in. God, I pray we'd have encounters in worship, encounters in your word. God, encounters as we serve. God, I pray for encounters in the lobby out here. God, for the greeters. God, for the parking lot guys. God, for whoever's standing on this stage, God. For whoever's doing whatever we're doing, God, we pray for encounters, that we would be a, literally a community that encounters your love and that others could come in and encounter you, Jesus. Everybody said amen. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit BethelATX.com.